Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I'm here with Brianna Borton. And um, I'm super excited to kind of chat with you today, Brianna. So first, welcome. Thank you. Yes. So I want to kind of get to know you a little bit, um, you know, kind of on some personal level. So first, I want to know about your morning routine. What are some, like, maybe even if you have an extensive one, just two to three mainstays in your morning routine? Well, every morning I'm usually woken up by my little children. Uh, I have a four-year-old and an 11-year-old. And so, you know, uh, most of the week I'm actually like waking up and caring for them right away. So my morning routine is a little bit delayed, which I always like to share with people because I feel like so many of us are actually in that boat um, and pretending like that's not what's happening in real life. So that is what's happening in my real life. Um, You know, so like luckily if I'm like lucky enough to like get clothes on that like look decent before I take my kids to school, like I feel like I'm winning. Um, But then I get home from dropping them off. And that's really when I try to make sure that I have my time to do the things that really kind of ground me into the day. So I do have one thing I do every morning when I wake up though, which is I, you know, whoever's waking me up, whether it's both kids or one kid, we all just go around and say one thing that we're really grateful for. So we just wake up and we're like, what's one thing that you're grateful for? Or one, and we also sometimes one of our kids will say, what's one thing that you're looking forward to for the day? So both of those things kind of get us like kind of set in the a good mood for the day um, that I'm running my kids around. And then I come home and I always do meditation. So that's the thing that I feel like I'm for sure hundred percent really good at making sure it happens every day. So I meditate between 30 and 40 minutes every morning. Um, and then I usually do some sort of either uh, Tai Chi or Qigong or uh, dance like uh, physical practice to move my body. And then I often take time just to like write down a few things, you know, that are on my mind either around, you know, what's going on kind of like in my inner world, or sometimes it's actually just like things that I need to make sure I remember throughout the day. So that's kind of the normal flow of my beginning morning. Mm, I love it. Well, I, my next question was going to be um, your favorite way to move your body. Um, so any, is dance kind of the thing? Oh, dance is for sure the thing. Everything else is like things I do because I feel like I should. <laughs> <laughs> understand. Uh, but I love to dance and it's just my very favorite. Always has been. Love it. Um, how do you practice? And I think you kind of just touched on this in the morning um, with your routine is how do you practice mindfulness with your kiddos? Yeah, I mean, we do a lot of things. So starting that way, and also we, I mean, our kids go to a Waldorf school who that really emphasizes um, kind of having routines and rhythms around certain things. So I am not a super um, structured person. Like I'm good at making structure, but I'm also like happy in like totally floating no structure at all but then I always just make it again because everyone else in my family does really well with it so we try to have kind of like a rhythm that helps them be able to fall into the moment and I feel like having a rhythm that has um, a combination of what are like kind of like inhales and exhales like we're coming together and like things are like close and where maybe like knitting or we're reading a book and then like an exhale, like we're going out into, out into nature. And so a combination of those things that go back and forth, I have found with my kids really help them stay 
um, present with the family. Um, and then we also have, you know, kind of our morning routines of, you know, things we're grateful for. And then in the evening, every night before we eat, we always say our blessings and we mostly just do chanting, um, mostly Sanskrit chanting, which is kind of more um, what we enjoy. But I don't think it necessarily would have to be that for people. I always think like, oh, you know, our kids sing all these like really sweet Waldorf songs too. Sometimes they'll insist on singing some of those as well, which I love. So it doesn't take much to get them on the docket. Um, and then just like having a nighttime routine after that, that's really, you know, that it's always kind of a structure, right? Whatever that is, um, that there's, I always sing to my girls before they go to bed and we read stories and just things that help us unwind and really settle in together. Um, and then we almost always right before we go to sleep, just say things like either people that we want to send love to or people that we're grateful for or things that we're grateful for. Mm, I love it. I always liked hearing different ideas and how to get that. I have a three and a half year old and, um, you know, just trying to get different ideas from people and what they do to bring that in with the kiddos. So thank you for that. Yeah. My last uh, question kind of is, is what is your favorite season? Ah, man, that's hard. I have always would have said I'm a summer person. I love summer so much. My birthday's in the summer. My birthday's like the second day of summer, actually. Mm -hmm. I've always loved summer so much, but now we have this little, um, like a little like hobby farm and now summer is so much work. <laughs> so, uh, when did summer become so hard? Um, so now I'm kind of like, I kind of like fall. <laughs> kind of nice. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Oh, well, let's kind of get into a little bit more about you and your background. So I know that you've kind of evolved throughout the years and what you're doing with yourself and your business. So can you take us um, through kind of that evolution? Yeah. So I was, I mean, I started kind of on my path pretty young. I well, I was, I graduated from high school and I was like, I'm going to be an artist. I was going to art school. It was amazing. Well, it was going to be amazing. I imagine it was going to be amazing. But before I actually got there, even one single day in art school, I broke my neck in a car accident. And so kind of like shifted all So when I was 19, I then got in a car accident and um, broke my neck. And it just really changed the whole trajectory of my life. I went from thinking that I was going to do life in this other way to really shifting what I wanted, actually. And I had a lot of help from different energetic healers who really helped me so much um, that it really got me interested in more of the healing field. And I still have a love of art, but it really pushed me in that direction. So I, well, I immediately decided that as soon as I got on my neck brace, I must go to Europe because I was like, I cannot die without going to Europe. I can certainly die without going to college. That'd be fine. Like I wouldn't think <laughs> so sad. Um, but I just realized that at any point we can die. 
And we don't know when that is. And it happens, it can happen so suddenly. And I think that knowing that at that age has really, um, really formed kind of the way I am in life. Um, I just feel like if you, if I want to do it, I will do it now because I don't, I'm not guaranteed to be able to do it any other time. So even then I was like, I'm off to Europe. I moved. Uh, well, I didn't think I was moving. I thought I was just visiting, but I ended up moving um, to the Czech Republic. Eventually that's where I ended up for a long time. Met so many amazing, beautiful healers. They are from all over the world. I ran a hostel. It was amazing. And um, so when I moved back to the United States, I ended up moving to Portland and going to massage school so that I could do massage and also do energetic healing, um, which is really what I was most interested in. And on that path, I really was um, given a lot of, I was exposed to so much. I was exposed to acupuncture and Ayurveda and all of these beautiful traditions. And I felt like, especially in Portland, kind of like it was a smorgasbord of opportunity to learn anything. Yeah. Um, I was so grateful for that opportunity. And so um, I ended up deciding to go to school for Ayurvedic medicine and at the same time decided I should open my own spa because I was working at a spa, which I got fired from, um, <laughs> which I totally would have fired me now. Now I'm like, oh yeah, I was fireable because um, I just like thought I knew everything. I'm, you know, I was 22. I did oh, know yeah. everything. <laughs> and, so, and my boss said, you know, if you feel like you can do it better, do it yourself. And I was like, okay, I think I will. And so of course my like naive 22 year old that has thought like somebody will just give me a business loan because I am, have such great ideas, um, which no one did, but I just like so determined. And so I opened our spa with a business partner who I bought out about a year and a half later. But, um, I, I opened our spa when I had just turned 23 and it's still open. It's the our Thurman location in Portland. And from there, just kind of like kept following what felt right in the moment. You know, we opened a cafe later because I was pregnant with our daughter and I was like, well, I can't bring a baby into a spa, which is true because they cry. <laughs> so I was like, I'll open a cafe next door so I can bring her there and then take care of the spa and the cafe. It was like a crazy idea. We opened the cafe two weeks before she was born. I was like, so hugely pregnant up on a ladder painting and people were like freaking out. I was like, I'm fine. Um, so we opened the cafe. We eventually sold that, opened a spot in the Portland airport. Um, then we opened, we decided to start actually really legitly um, manufacturing the products that we were always giving to all of our clients. So we opened a manufacturing company to manufacture all of our bath and body products and our external pain relief products um, and our herbal tinctures. So that's now in Portland. And then eventually for after campaigning me for three years, my husband like would put up like Boulder's weather and Portland's weather on my computer and on my phone and like everywhere I went, it was like comparing the two places. So finally I was like, okay, I get it. It's way better. So <laughs> eventually moved to Boulder and opened another spot here. Um, and then realized at like some point, like actually what we had started to do this thing where I called Peter bootcamp, my Peter is my husband, um, and my business partner too. Um, and we did Peter bootcamp every Monday because it just, his, you know how I was telling you, like I 
don't like love, I don't need structure, but I provide structure to other people because I'm good at it. He does, he like does not, he does not love structure, nor does he know how to make it. So <laughs> like boot camp for Peter and he asked me for it. So I was like, okay, so we would meet every Monday and we would like create like our plans for the week based on like bigger goals instead of like getting kind of like stuck in the weeds of like the day to day. And we started seeing friends out because we'd always go to a cafe or something. They'd be like, what are you doing? They'd be like, Peter boot camp. And they'd be like, what is that? And they'd be like, I want to do that. And we were like, I'd always be like, well, yeah, but no, I'm not going to, you can't come to Peter boot camp because then he won't get his things done, which was really important for me. Um, and so we actually created a planner called the dream book, which is really based on that, like exactly the process that I was following. And then we, Peter would always bring forth like the part of like, okay, yeah, but you also have to take care of yourself. Okay. But yeah, you need to like, when are you going to have fun? When are we going to be with friends? When are you going to play music? When are you going to do like all of these other things? And so the dream book really is like a, a combination of both of those things. Like make sure that you are planning for the dreams you really want to come true and also day to day, like living the life you want. Um, and so we created that. It was so much fun. Um, then we wrote another book together called The Well Life, and um, that was amazing. We got it published by Simon & Schuster, which felt like a, such a huge deal. Um, started creating courses and things together, wrote another book called Rituals for Transformation together. Um, then we started doing um, co training coaches, um, life coaches, through, to do more like holistic life spirituality coaching which has been really fun um it's actually been much more rewarding and amazing than i expected i just like love the people who join us um and then recent most recently uh, i started to be called to do more kind of come back to working one-on-one -on -one with people because when i started the, the spa i was doing like 10 massages a day i was like doing healing work with people i've seen people for ayurvedic um as ayurvedic clients and i was so loved being with people and then you know you like start to run a business and it gets bigger and bigger and then you're like not doing that one-on-one -on -one anymore and I realized that I really missed it I really missed being with people in that way so I came back to doing energy work specifically with people and I was like actually kind of scared. I was like, oh no, everyone's gonna think I'm so weird because now I'm like this entrepreneur person. Everyone's like, oh, she like runs this like huge business and she's like, you know, entrepreneur. -y. And I had like so much ego wrapped up in it. And I was like, oh, people are gonna think I'm fucking weird. <laughs> um, and they did, and they didn't, and they did. And I was like, realized I just didn't care because it just felt like so right for me. So I started really, started to see people again to do this kind of work with them and it was just amazing and as I started to do it I just kept listening to like the guidance that was being shown to me and started to really realize that I wanted to do this in a group way and so I created love the love rising collective which is this beautiful group of people that I guide through like spirit guidance calls and then we do integration calls where we really integrate our spiritual experiences into our daily lives because otherwise it's actually not that useful um and to really support each other and be in community together and it's now like my very favorite thing i do i love it so much so um that's kind of like my my story and i had kids in between the beginning and the end of that story which i didn't include which feels <laughs> like not that nice <laughs>
<laughs> but you did talk about being pregnant with your first daughter. So oh, yeah, I then got pregnant with my second daughter. I had them both and they're amazing. <laughs> and how many years has that spanned then? Well, uh, we just celebrated our 16 year anniversary from when we first opened the first spa. So it's been wow. a long time. Wow. I love that. And just to see kind of, I mean, many evolutions and um, I think sometimes we see it from the outside being like, oh, they've just been, you know, maybe like doing that one thing when you're like, I have done a lot of different things and, you know, all of it's been aligned and all of it's been on that, you know, evolution path that you've been on. And I, I just think it's inspiring to see. And, um, you know, I, I am in like the evolution of my business right now. I've been in for seven years and can feel kind of the shift and, you know, that gives me like, okay, great. Like I'm not the only one who feels the need for shifting and evolving as, you know, our business evolve as we do. Yeah, definitely. So I want to talk about your newest kind of, um, you know, your love rising group. And I want to kind of start with talking about having tough conversations. Cause I think that, um, I know this can be hard and I've had tough conversations, you know, even with family members, but like one side tends to either melt down, get angry, just not want to have the conversation. And, um, I want to, you know, know some of your ideas about how to do this, you know, and how to disagree maybe without that division and just people just completely shutting down. Yeah. This is one of my favorite subjects (laughs) (laughs) because I, my husband always is like, but you'll just have that hard conversation. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Um, one time I had to have this conversation with my dad about money because he is like, my dad's like a super hippie. I love him so much. Um, and he also has like said things throughout my life that seemed very, um, judgmental about people with a lot of wealth. And as I've grown my business and, and become like, kind of like one of those people, as I was growing, I realized like I am now in a place of conflict with this person who I love so much in myself, not actually with him. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I will not allow myself to re- go past this point because I think I will lose my dad's approval mm-hmm. if I do. And that was all happening inside of me. And I realized like, wow, if I don't do something about this, this is where I will stay financially. And I, that's not what I wanted. And so I was like, I <laughs> decided to have that conversation with him. And I sat down with him and I said, you know, all of the things, right. And he said, the first, after I like talked and talked and talked about all the things I was feeling and all the things he looked at me and he said, I wondered when you were going to bring this up. Oh. And I was like, what made you think I was going to bring it up? And he's like, Oh, cause you're my daughter that talks about all the things. And I was like, Oh, that is true. I am your daughter that talks about all the things. Like I just won't avoid it, but I really bring it up because so often we hinder our own freedom because we're unwilling to have the conversations that we need to have in order to be able to be in all of life, right? There are, there are things we won't say, subjects we won't talk about, people that we avoid. And we think that we're like somehow punishing other people or like making it easier for ourselves by just avoiding and cutting out, but actually we're just reducing our freedom. Uh, like to a greater and greater degree until we will really only socialize, talk to the people that we already know agree with us about the subjects we already know they agree with us about. Mm -hmm. It's like, how expansive is that, right? When we're really like segregating ourselves to a very small portion of the population and a very small aspect of, of human life. And so 
it's one of the reasons I think it's so important to just be able to have really challenging conversations and to learn how to do it without, without so much emotion. And so first I just want to say that like, I know that it, we, that certain times are harder than others based on how resourced we are, right? So whether or not we have had enough sleep, whether or not we're like feeling hormonal, whether or not we're feeling super emotional and triggered, you know, like those kinds of things actually do play into whether it's the right time to have a conversation or not. And if we can choose to have the challenging conversations when we are more resourced, it really helps. It's like a really baseline thing. Like if you're tired and you need to talk to your partner about finances, it's like a hard, maybe not ideal time to have that conversation, right? But if you can be like well-rested and well-fed and then have that conversation, it's so much better for everyone involved. And so my first tip is always to see if you, to try to be as well-resourced as you possibly can when you are going into it. So once you feel like you're well-resourced and able to have the conversation, I feel like one of the things that is sometimes the hardest part, but also I feel like one of the most necessary is to first come in and like connect with the other person. So this is true in all situations. And I have found it to be unbelievably useful in like having conversations with people who are like diametrically opposing point of views as mine about world things or even like with my siblings or no matter what it is if there's a huge divide especially but no matter what whether it's like that you need to talk to your kids about something or your parents about something or even that you simply like need to direct an employee about something one of the most important things is to connect. And the way in which I find connection to be the most useful is to find some common ground, right? Like either show interest in them in some way, humanize them in some way, find a commonality in some way, whatever way that can be, that that connection happens. And when we create that connection with the other person and are able then to work from that place about whatever it is that we're disagreeing about, whatever that challenging conversation is, we have already started that disagreement without division, right? We've already connected. So we've already kind of like, how do we span this great divide? Well, first we connect and then there's not so much of a divide. It's just simply that we disagree and we might disagree uh, like vehemently of disagree and that can be it can be even a little bit more okay if that connection has happened first so I always find it interesting I remember one time some somebody wrote on my on my Facebook page about something about how they were like really opposed I think it was to Obamacare it was quite a while ago and we had a long conversation about it actually on my Facebook page with this random human that I actually didn't even really know. And one of the things I thought was really interesting is one of my friends was like, wow, you really, what was she, she said, you really entertain fools on your uh, Facebook page. And I said, what makes you think that that person is a fool? It's just a person with a different opinion mm -hmm. than me. Right. And when I was able to 
connect with that person, I found out why, right? And the reason for why was actually my reason for the exact opposite thing. Mm. Like I, I, I was like very pro like universal healthcare, I am. And he was very anti that. And I was just like, well, how can you feel that way? Like, not like, how can you fucking feel that way, you idiot, right? Mm-hmm. Not that attitude, but really like, how, why is it that you feel that way? Like what happened? How is it that you feel that way? And then he was talking, I mean, because I opened up and like really connected with him as a person, he was like, yeah, well, my dad died. Like there's this whole long story about why he was like, now I work so hard to make sure that my family has insurance, so that doesn't happen to anyone again. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so opposed to this. And I was like, it's interesting because that exact same scenario of why that happened to your dad is why I am so pro universal healthcare so that no one would have to ever go through that. Mm. And you know, it wasn't like either one of us were like, you're right. Mm -hmm. But we were both like, Oh, okay. And it just softens. Right. And when Mm -hmm. we can both soften, like we're not, it doesn't have to be black or white. There's a lot of gray area. Then it was, then our conversation got a lot more deep and a lot more rounded. And in the end, he, you know, we ended up finding out all sorts of things about him because he is like, he was in the military. He's now disabled. We ended up actually sending them a dream book. You know, it's like, how can I support you? Mm-hmm. How can I support you and your life to, so that you can then be more well-resourced so that you can want to support and help other people's lives. Right. And that happens when we don't divide. We're not like, it's me against you. It's us and them. It's like the good and the evil when really is we're all just humans doing our best and fucking it up and, and then doing our best. And like, we're just, <laughs> it's just the human experience. Right. And so that I feel like is why I'm so inspired to help people have these conversations that can help move toward not, not to say that we don't say like that. I actually am going to stop, do everything I can try to do to stop you from maybe like, you know, putting kids in cages on the border, right? I might do everything in my power to stop you from doing that. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to villainize you while I do, while I try to take away the stick. This is my analogy. So I was like, if you had two kids and one was hitting the other one with a stick, you wouldn't like just be like, well, let's talk about your emotions and why you're doing that. First, you take away the stick, right? You're mm-hmm. like, well, you actually have to stop causing harm. I'm sorry. That's like just, that's a, there's a line in the sand there. Like you can't cause harm. So we're taking away the stick, but I'm not going to villainize the child for doing it. I'm also going to see what's going on there. And so if we could, treat all humans that way, we could have a lot more useful conversations that maybe would lead to, you know, resolving some of these issues. Yeah. What, what would you say if someone, um, I know a lot of times, you know, in having conversations and tough conversations, sometimes even just bringing up a topic, someone's automatically, they put themselves on the defense and they feel like they are just, you know, hairs up and, you're trying to have, you know, a conversation where you're like, I see where you're coming from. I'm not going to attack you, but I'm, you know, honestly asking why and where, where are you getting these ideas? And they're just immediately defense and guard is up. Is there any way that we can help maybe help them bring their guard down and show them like, I'm not going to here to attack you. I genuinely want to know and genuinely want to care, you know, about where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, I think that on, all I know is that from my side, generally when that's happening, it's kind of hard for me to also not be, be like, also not kind of like contract a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so 
like energetically on my side, I just try to stay open. Like, okay, I see that you're in pain, right? That's like what's happening. You're feeling some sort of contraction, some sort of pain. I don't usually say this because that's like not usually what people are really open to hearing. I'm thinking it. This is what I'm thinking, not what I'm saying. Um, But to also stay open to myself. So just like checking what's going on in my own body and relaxing it and resourcing myself so that I can stay in the conversation and not be a mirror of their own contraction. Right. Mm -hmm. And the question why, I mean, I did, you know, I do ask like, well, like, why do you feel that way? Or how, how did you come to feel this way? When we ask why, a lot of times that can feel like it can put people on the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like like kids, you know, if you're like, why did you do that? They're like, I don't know, but now I already feel bad about it. Like, yep. like how did that happen? Is often a lot softer, right? They can be like, oh, well, what happened is this. So if we can find ourselves asking how questions, like how did you come to feel this way? Or how does that work for you in your life? Or how? a lot of times that can soften people a little bit more, but also just remembering that I, so many people have never been seen in a positive way Mm -hmm. by, by anyone, like their parents their friends, like so many people have like, like almost hate themselves because that's what's been reflected to them. So just knowing that there can be a lot of work on the other side of the conversation, right? Like a lot of, things that need to unwind before they're even able to have a civil conversation and that you don't have to sit there and be in it with them. Like it's okay to exit a conversation where if it's really, if they're unable to come out of it, but I always just want to leave the conversation just like, you know what? It's okay for you to have whatever is going on, whatever feelings you're having. And like, if you ever want to talk about it in a way that's like civil, I'm here. Like, I'm actually open to having a conversation with you. If people are so closed down that they don't want to do that, then I don't really push it that much with them because I feel like, what is the purpose of this now? Now I'm just trying to like feel like I can like be feel superior or feel like, you know, there can be like some ego involved there in wanting to continue to try to push somebody to have a conversation that you that they're obviously unable to have in a rational way. And so I almost always then just try to switch it to like what can we like can we find common ground? Mm-hmm. Like where are we really looking? Or even in what they're saying, I can say like, I can hear how you really care about the children in this experience, right? I can hear, even though I disagree about how you would go about that, I can actually really feel that you care. Like I see that you're human, basically is what we're saying. (laughs) Like I see that you're human and I see that. Do you see that? And then there can be like a little nudge towards like, do you see that I'm human too? Like, I also really care about children. You don't have to say like, do you see that I'm human? But more like, do you, I also really care about children? And I can, I can see that maybe you don't understand that from the perspective that I'm sharing, but I also really do care about them. So I see that we have that in common, even if we're approaching it terribly differently. So really like identifying like a specific thing and calling it out, like, bringing, calling forth the human in the other person can really help. Or I really see how you care so much about your family. And I think a lot of people are in a huge amount of fear around their family and protecting it. Right. And we all love our families. And so it's great for us to be able to 
to point that out as a commonality. Actually, I hear that you really care about your families. And what I think happens a lot is that people are like, but what, why don't you care about then other families, right? That's like mm-hmm. often where we go. Instead to be like, I so see how much you care about your family. I share that. I share that feeling of really caring about my family. And isn't it so important that we all care for our families? And, and instead of trying to go right to like, you're like, you are not seeing the whole picture, which is often, you know, I have this tendency too to be like, you're not seeing the whole thing to simply like keep like almost like you're kind of, you're digging a, a trench of, of like good, like connection between them and you until it's connected of like, I really see that. I can really understand that. Tell me more about your family and why you care about them so that they're creating a connection to you so that you can then once that connection is made, go into the more challenging conversation about maybe how they could see how everyone probably feels that way about their family. And can you imagine and then you can have like maybe even the part of the conversation that is actually really in favor of what you believe, you know, and, and still hearing out why they don't agree, maybe, but still creating that connection and creating that connection can take a while. It can take several conversations. It's not always like, oh, you like blue and I like blue. Let's be friends. Now let's talk about, you know, gun control, right? Like often there's like a deeper level of like needing to meet each other and really needing to connect. But I really believe that the world will change when we start to connect to other humans as humans, right? Individually. And it's easier as individuals than when we put all people in like one big basket of theming, right? Yeah. And what about online? Do you find that these strategies work online or Uh, Because I know, I mean, sometimes it's even a quicker judgment, a quicker snap thing, and you don't know who's on the other side of there. You know, just as you were saying, you know, with the man that you ended up sending that dream book to, is this something that you kind of employ and you just engage in conversation with people who might be saying things that you don't agree with? Yeah. I mean, if I'm honest, I don't spend like a ton of my time arguing with people on Facebook or having conversations with people on Facebook, (laughs) but like I'm busy. And also like it often isn't that fruitful. A lot of times people are in their like pain body. They're like really in it and they're just looking for something to feed it. Mm -hmm. And when people are in that, like it's, it's challenging. I feel like if people comment on my things, I'm willing to have a conversation with them to, unless they, you know, I have boundaries to like, if they're like mean to me or call me names and I'm like, I'm just going to delete that comment. Like I'm like, I'm not a masochist. Um, for the other one, I can never remember which is which, but I'm neither one. So, (laughs) um, but I, so I do feel like you can employ these things on Facebook. I also think that like, you know, watching where you're using your resources, right? Like, is this really the best use of your time and energy in this moment to have this conversation? Is it fruitful? Do you feel like it's actually going to serve you or them in any way? If the answer to that is no, then move along. Like you don't have to engage. And I find that simply not engaging is usually my tactic. I'm like, I see people like even on our like Boulder community pages, people get into these ridiculous conversations. Like I call them conversations because I'm being nice, but they're just (laughs) ridiculous. And I'm like, you guys are all just like, no one's getting anywhere here, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're just, you're just like 
you're just drawing a line in the sand in the imaginary like Facebook sand and then like fighting. And it's like, so I generally, when I see things like that, I'm just like, scroll along. Like I'm no, <laughs> there's no need for me to be here to even engage in this. But I notice that one thing that I notice is that my pain body, which this is like an Eckhart Tolle thing. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but he mm-hmm. really talks about our pain bodies as being like this energetic part of us that actually craves pain. And, and the more it has, the more it kind of craves, right? So we cause pain. We look for pain. We look for ways to create pain and conflict because we have these pain bodies and some people's are stronger than others and we're not aware of them and when we can become aware of them i i the more aware i become of mine the more i notice how much i want to like read through like all of the snarky shit people say to each other and be like yeah oh that's horrible oh yeah that was a good one you know that that's my pain body that just wants to like be fed and as soon as i if i can see it for what it is and feel it and be like oh that's my pain body wanting to engage and instead do something else, go for a walk, meditate, just close my computer, listen to music, listen to a podcast, do something that actually engages the part of me that isn't wanting that. It really helps. And so, and then I might go back to it if I feel like, Oh, I really wanted to say something there. It, it like happens like literally 0% of the time that that actually happens. But I always give myself that out. You know what? I'm going to take a break. And if later I feel like it was really important that I stood for something in that random ass Facebook comments, then like, I'll come back and do it. But I don't need to do it right now. There's no urgency, you know? And so I, that's, that's usually how I decide to do it. And then if somebody engages me personally on Facebook, like either like through our groups or, you know, sometimes via messenger, sometimes on a post that I make, then I will employ these tactics to have a conversation. Um, you know, the other day, this I had this very interesting conversation with a woman who's very upset about something that she wrote in our group and blah, blah, blah. It went like on and on and on, right? Like all of this stuff. And she wrote to me to tell me she was never going to buy our planner again. And I was like, okay, like, that's okay. You don't have to buy our things. But like, I also want you to know that like, that's not how we hold you and you're always welcome here. And like, I like extend my love to you and you're really like, if you want to have a more of a conversation about this, you're welcome to. And she just never responded. And, and, and that's fine. Like I don't need her to respond, but that's how I like to hold it. Right. Like I'm here in the space that I believe is true, which is that we can be kind to each other and, and I'm going to keep doing that to you regardless of what you do. Mm, yes. Is that like the stuff that you're doing in your love rising group then? Cause I know you're opening it up again at the end of the month. Like, is this some of the like deep discussions that you guys have there? Yes. So, so much of the time, you know, this is what happens for the people in it. So we ended up talking about I mean, this kind of thing a lot and all sorts of other things because people come after we do these kind of like long meditations and this energy work together. And then we do integration sessions. And during those people come with like, well, all is well and good in the meditation. And then I got out of the meditation and my mom called and she was all like, bah, 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 and I couldn't stay in it. And I wanted to, and whatever it is. And we get to then as a group be like, oh, right. Because this is the real life stuff. 
that mm-hmm. happens every day. And I feel like we tend to want to separate like our spirituality or our peacefulness or our love from our lives. And I'm like, but that's where we need it is in these hard, tricky places. And so that's why we have it kind of structured the way we do so that we can bring all those tricky places as a community together and witness each other. And I feel like sometimes the witnessing is just the most healing where everyone's like, yeah, I've so been there. I get it. And Mm I, and like, it can be hard. Right. So just being witnessed in the challenge and then also like, okay, how do we then apply these like these spiritual beliefs and these spiritual experiences into this so that we're not bypassing, right? There's all this talk about spiritual bypassing and that happens when you're unwilling to go through it, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're like, everything's just fine. You're like, no, it's not. Like, that's just not true. Like everything's not just fine, but you can get to a place of being like everything. I am at peace, but you don't get there without going through all of it to get there. And you have to go through all of it and apply the principles, apply the like like internal wisdom that has come to you to your life. And then you get to come to that place of real peace without bypassing. Mm, Yes. That sounds like a very rich group. Where can people find that or more information about it? And so people can find out all about that on my website at Brianna, B-R-I-A-N-A Borton, B-O-R-T-E-N.com. And you can read things I write. You can also see all about Love Rising there. And we are, yeah, we're opening up for enrollment. We only open up two times a year. So we're opening up for enrollment on September 30th. And I'm so excited because... Uh, we always, everyone loves it when new people come in, like the whole group is like, yay, we're opening up all new people. Like they're so sweet. It's like the sweetest group of humans you've ever met in your life. I, like I cry about them almost every day because I love mm. them so much. I'm like, you're such amazing humans. Um, so we, but we only open up twice a year so that we kind of create that the rest of the time, right? We like create community and really this like solid energetic collective that we are. Um, and so we love opening up, but that's why we only do it twice a year. So every time it happens, it feels like Christmas because we get new beautiful people that join us. Mm, I love that. And uh, before, before we wrap up too, I want to know a little bit more about your dream books because we've referenced them a few times. So if people are kind of thinking like, oh, I'm looking for a planner or something for next year. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe what sets yours apart from other planners? Yeah. So I'm, I'm so excited about it right now. This is like dream book season for us because like we just put out our new colors and you know, we have our, our year for 2020. And so I just got mine. I chose this, co- this color that's called, um, oh my gosh, I'm not going to remember that. Oh my gosh. Midnight something. Wow. Brianna, bad memory. <laughs> All right. Um, but it's this really beautiful purple color. And so I just started working in mine for next year and I do this process every year. And the beginning of it is just this beautiful process of really looking inside and you answer questions about different areas of your life, kind of like where you want to be and where you are now and really dreaming up a new future for yourself. And it, the questions really, um, really invite you into kind of a new way of looking at your life with all of its um, opportunities available to you. And so you go through and you answer all these questions. And then from there, you actually start to create goals 
based on those. And then you create your goals and then you break them down, which is, this is the part of the process that I think is just the most valuable thing. Cause you, you know, a lot of us set goals. We're like, I'm going to write a book and you're like, okay, great. How the hell are you going to do that? Cause it actually is a bunch of little projects. And then in those projects, it's a bunch of tasks. And it's when we look at something as big as like, say writing a book, it can feel so overwhelming, right? Like how does one even do such a thing? But when you start to break it down, you see that like, oh, this is possible. I can do this. And then you start putting it into your calendar and then you have your planner that's attached to it to actually write it in. And we also have just a dream book that where you do all of that, but then instead of writing it into the calendar, you use say Google calendar or something else to actually put the tasks into your calendar. But it really helps us so that we're not putting like write a book in your calendar because that's like not a thing that you can just do it's like write a book okay things like that's like being like go climb Mount Everest it's like first I'd have to buy plane tickets I'd have to take like there's so many other things that have to happen before then yeah and so really having those things in place so that when you look at your calendar you're not overwhelmed and that you're working from a calendar and not a to-do list because our to-do lists are always they're ever growing right we have to-do lists forever because that's how life is there's never a done time but if every day you can feel done then you feel satisfied you're like i did all the things on my calendar rather than i never did all the things on my to-do list which is never going to happen (laughs) so and it's all together and i feel like the reason that it's so different than most most calendars and or planners and it's also different than a lot of like journals is that it's kind of a combination of both like set dreams and goals and then actually put them in your calendar now and do them like don't just dream them on like new year's eve and then the rest of your year forget about it which is what 90 percent of people do actually oh yeah i believe it So how do we actually get those things to be happening so that you can get your full potential out in the world? And I so believe that I so believe in human potential. I feel like it's our most wasted resource. Mm. Like human potential is so great. Like I have so much faith in humans, but we have so much stuff blocking us from allowing that to come all the way through. And this dream book is one of the amazing tools that we offer to help kind of remove those blocks so we can get your potential out into the world. Oh, I love it. And I, I mean, you have some awesome videos cause I was looking at your, um, your dream books and I think it was like midnight garden, I think oh, is what it might you. be called. You are so smart. <laughs> well, I was looking at that color and I was like, Ooh, I love the name. Cause that was my favorite color. And I was like, Ooh, so, um, yeah, I'm definitely gonna, cause that one is on my list of, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go with this planner for next year. So Oh, yay. I can't wait to hear how how you like it. And it's so funny to name things and then forget what you named them. (laughs) I even chose that name. I don't always choose the names for things. I did choose the name. Just forgot. Well, I liked it. I liked to garden. So I was like, oh, I can. That's a nice one. I like that. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of in wrapping, I always like to ask one final question. And I usually like to throw out a weekly challenge to all the listeners. And then when I have a guest on, I have you throw out a weekly challenge to everyone. So what would you like that weekly challenge to be? Hmm. I feel like my challenge would be to, to meditate because I feel like it's such an important practice that is so hard for us to get into the practice of. Like almost everyone at this point knows that they quote unquote should be meditating. Um, but most, but you know, the majority of people are not. And so my challenge would be 
if you like aren't meditating at all to meditate like three times in the coming week. If you are already meditating like three times a week to meditate every day. So whatever it is to just try to up your meditation practice just a little bit so that you're really having the time to quiet your mind and be still and really allow yourself to focus inward. Um, I feel like it makes such a huge difference in our lives. And so that would be my challenge. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Brianna. Um, Thanks for all the information. And I loved getting to chat with you today. Thank you so much. It was lovely to get to talk with you as well. Thank you again. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.